Good evening. So glad you're here tonight. If you would take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to read through 1 through 7. 2 Timothy 2 verses 1 through 7. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful people who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him. And if someone likewise competes as an athlete, he is not crowned as a victor unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Would you join me as we pray together? Father, as we hear your word tonight, we pray that you would open our hearts to be able to hear your word and grant us understanding from your scripture. Let your Holy Spirit come and teach us and guide us into all the truth. We thank you for that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Paul, the great Christian and apostle, is giving his disciple Timothy instructions to be an effective minister in this passage of scripture. And it's also for us as believers, for all Christians. His ex exhortation and teaching are for us too, as all of God's word is in Scripture. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 says this, All Scripture is inspired by God and beneficial for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be fully capable, equipped for every good work. God wants you, God wants me to be capable and equipped for every good work. First of all, you need to recognize that God has a plan for you and for me. Psalm 33, verse 11, God's Word says this in the English version translation. His plans endure forever. His purposes last eternally. Rick Warren said this. You will have different roles at different stages in life, but your purposes will never change. The purposes are greater than any role you will have. That's a very true statement. For my own life, for 16 years in, in college ministry, I did uh, church planting and ch planted churches at the University of Kentucky and Western Kentucky University and was a missionary in Ontario, Canada and planted a church in Kitchener-Waterloo, Ontario. And I traveled uh, to many different countries around the world as part of a church planting team for 16 years in college ministry. And I loved doing that. I literally thought I would be church planting and preaching the gospel. I was the last one that I preached at and pastored at and planted a church at was the University of California, Berkeley. And I was there for nine years. And I thought I'd be doing this until I was 80 years old. But that didn't happen. So after that, I moved to Paducah, which my wife's uh, parents live here. So we moved back to be closer to grandma and grandpa, and it's been a wonderful, wonderful experience. And uh, I became a minister here at Lone Oak First Baptist Church for the past 
19 years, I was doing um, uh, sports ministry and evangelism ministry, and then that changed. And for the last two years, I've been doing pastoral care and evangelism and loving it, and it's, it's wonderful. But your role will change in life, but your purpose never does. Luke 4, verse 8, Jesus replied, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Your purpose, my purpose, which never changes, is what Jesus said right there. You will never find fulfillment, satisfaction, or peace until you worship the Lord your God and serve Him only, following His plan for you throughout every stage of your life. Jim Crowley is a church member here, close friend of mine. I did his, his wife Barbara's funeral a number of years ago, and, and Jim is 93 years old. And uh, his eyesight is bad, and he can hardly walk, and uh, uh, he just has some complications with his health. He told me this story about his wife Barbara. Uh, Barbara was, was in Providence Point, the the assisted living facility there, and, and she was having heart issues. And Jim's sight was so that he could not drive at night. And uh, he got a call from Providence Point one night, and it was nighttime, and uh, they said, you need, to, you need to come here. And uh, Jim said, well, I sat down on the crowd, our crowd, uh, couch, and I, I said, Christ, you've got to help me. And so he said, I went out and I got in the car at night and I drove all the way to Providence Point from our house and I never met one car. He said, I went into Barbara's room and she said, lie down here beside me. And so he lay down beside her on the bed and she said, do you know Psalm 23? <laughs> and of course, Jim says, yeah, I know Psalm 23. She said, quote it for me. So he began to quote Psalm 23. When he got to the part that says, Yea, I, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the Lord showed him a vision. And the vision was of him and Barbara walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And as they were walking together, on the other side was God the Father and Jesus. And Jesus, God the Father says to Jesus, Well, who is this? And Jesus said to God the Father, this is Barbara. She's one of mine. Now, I've told that story many, many times. Jim thought, man, I don't have any purpose anymore. I can hardly walk. I can't see. I can't drive. Uh, it's difficult for me, but I want you to know that Jim's testimony and his ministry continues on today through that story. I love Jim Crowley, dear friend. So how do you discover God's plan for your life? What is in your hand? Exodus 4, verse 1 and 2. Then Moses said to the Lord, What if they will not believe me or listen to what I have to say? For they may say, The Lord has not appeared to you. The Lord said to him, What is in your hand? And he said, a staff. Moses had a staff in his hand. 
which God used for Moses to worship the Lord and serve him only to fulfill God's plan and purpose in his life. Well, what is in your hand? Perhaps it's a hammer. You're a skilled carpenter. You can use that hammer to worship the Lord and serve him only. Maybe it's a pencil, and you can write, you can teach. It may be a stethoscope, you can help the sick. It may be a guitar, and you can use your talent to bring glory to God in music. You may have a calculator, and you can balance spreadsheets. Everyone has something in their hand. The question is, will you worship the Lord and serve Him only with it? Fulfilling God's purpose. How do you fulfill God's purpose? In our text from 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 7, Paul gives three illustrations to Timothy to fulfill God's purpose. The soldier, the athlete, and the farmer. First of all, the soldier. 2 Timothy 2, 3 says, Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him. The good soldier fights, defends, suffers hardship, and doesn't entangle. First of all, he fights. The soldier is trained to fight. We, you and I as believers, are to fight the fight of faith as soldiers for Christ. 1 Timothy 6.12 says this, Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called. Ephesians 6.10-18, through 18, a wonderful passage of Scripture, one of my favorites, says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist on the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, stand firm, therefore having belted your waist with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having strapped on your feet the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you are able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, with every prayer and request, pray at all times in the Spirit. As Christ's soldiers, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're not fighting against humans, but against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. We don't fight with natural weapons, but spiritual weapons the full armor of God, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, our feet shod with the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is God's Word, and finally, preeminent is prayer. Prayer is a weapon with which you are to use to fight. The good soldier knows how to pray. The good soldier also defends 
1 Peter 3.15 says this, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, but with gentleness and respect. Your greatest defense is your testimony. I came from a life of sin. I met Christ, repented, surrendered my life to Him. I'm now living an abundant life and looking forward to heaven as my eternal home. That's your greatest defense. Next, you need to suffer hardship. A soldier suffers hardship. It's hard to be a soldier. When you're a soldier, one of the first things you encounter in service is that you're required to give up some things. You give up your identity. Your hair is cut. You give up your clothes. And you're issued a uniform that looks like everybody else's uniform. You give up your schedule. You get up when required. You eat when required. You are trained as required. You go to bed as required. You go where and when you're required to go. The purpose of these requirements is to make you a soldier. And these are hardships. Luke 14, verse 33, Jesus said this, So then, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. If you're going to be a soldier for Christ, there are some things that you are required to give up. Next, you don't need to be entangled. Entangled. 2 Timothy 2, verse 3, in the Living Bible, it says this, And as Christ's soldier, do not let yourself become tied up in the worldly affairs, for then you cannot satisfy the one who enlisted you in the army. Do not let yourself become tied up in worldly affairs. To be tied up is to be restricted. You can't move freely. Worldly affairs can tie you up. To be a soldier for Christ, you need to be not tied up, not restricted. Naturally, we think of entanglements of worldly affairs as sin, greed, jealousy, envy, illicit relationships, adultery, etc. But there are good things that can tie you up also. Family commitments that take precedence over the things of God in your life. Family is important to the Lord. We know that, of course. He created the first family with Adam and Eve. However, for the soldier of Christ, we can't let anything or anyone entangle or restrict us. Luke 14, verse 26 and 27 from the message says this, One day, when a large group of people were walking along with him, with Jesus, Jesus turned and told them, Anyone who comes to me but refuses to let go of father, mother, spouse, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even his own life, can't be my disciple. Anyone who won't shoulder his own cross and follow behind me can't be my disciple. If you were to be Christ's disciple, Christ's soldier, you can't be entangled. Next, the athlete. 
Paul gave an illustration to Timothy as an athlete, 2 Timothy 2, 5. And if someone likewise competes as an athlete, he's not crowned as a victor unless he competes according to the rules. You and I are in a race. We're like athletes. We're competing. We are not competing against one another. But all those things, those temptations, those entanglements, which hinder us and keep us from finishing our course. Acts 20, verse 24, God's Word says this, But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus, to testify solemnly of the gospel of God's grace. Paul spoke of finishing his course. The ministry the Lord had given him, which was to testify solemnly of the gospel of God's grace. The competition we are in is against all the things that would keep us from finishing and hindering our testimony of the gospel. During the years I, I worked uh, with Upward Sports here at our church, and I, I was loved doing that uh, for, for uh, a number of years, <clears throat> I discovered uh, doing all of that ministry that you don't need to teach children competition. Everybody nod their heads. Nor do you need to teach competition to their parents. They know it too. It's an ingrown thing. Something that's within us is competition. Competition's not a bad thing except when it gets misdirected. The wonderful thing about children involved in sports is on the court, on the soccer field or the football field, it's a microcosm of life. You learn how to play together as a team. You learn how to win. You learn how to lose. You, knew how, you learn how to get up when you're knocked down. And most importantly, you learn how to follow the rules. Here's a fact. You cannot finish your course. You can't be a victor unless you obey the rules. God's rules are clearly stated in His Word. I can't tell you how many times over the years of refereeing children that I had to blow the whistle, and nobody likes to hear the whistle blow, and say, you stepped on the line. You're out of bounds. You pushed her. That's a foul. You touched the soccer ball with your hands. You can't do that. The whistle blows because the rules were broken. And nobody likes to hear the whistle blow. But in order to finish your course and my course, you're going to have to blow the whistle sometimes. And Jesus does that for us, doesn't he? And let us know that we need to keep the rules. Finally, the farmer. 2 Timothy 2, verse 6, the hardworking farmer, the word God says, ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Farming is hard work. You have to till the soil. You have to plant the seed. You have to get rid of the weeds, water the plants. You have to depend upon the weather. You have to wait patiently for everything to grow, and then you have to work to harvest the crop. Farming is hard work. Paul is instructing Timothy about how to be successful in life and ministry, 
using the farmer as an illustration. You need to give attention, you and I, to the soil of our lives. You need to get rid of any weeds that hinder your growth and the maturity of the fruit of God's Spirit in your life. 1 Timothy 4.13 says, Give your attention to the public reading, to exhortation and teaching. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you. Paul told Timothy, Give attention to God's Word. It will break up the fallow ground of your heart and your life. God's Word is like water. It will cause the seed planted in your soul to grow and to bear fruit. Matthew 13, verse 23 says, But the one sown with seed on the good soul, this is the one who hears the word of God and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty times as much. I don't know about you, but I want to be a hundredfold Christian. Hearing God's word also takes place when you're at worship at church. Not once a year or once a month. If the only time you hear God's word proclaimed is once a month, you're going to have a lot of weeds in the garden of your life. Hebrews 10 verse 24 says, and let's consider how to encourage one another in love and good deeds, not abandoning our own meeting together as is the habit of some people, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You need to plant seeds in relationships by involvement with other Christians in life groups, allowing accountability, support, encouragement, and fruitfulness in your life. You can't expect great fruitfulness, for example, in marriage if you don't weed out, water, till, and plant. It's like a guy who says to his wife, well, I told you that I loved you when I married you 42 years ago. I thought that ought to do you. 2 Timothy 2 verse 22 says this, Now flee from youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Flee like David, who ran from Potiphar's wife. Pursue like Jacob, who wrestled with the angel of the Lord and wouldn't let him go until he blessed him. And do it with those who call upon the Lord from a pure heart. That's his church, the body of Christ. The question is, where are you in your life? Have you accepted God's plan for your life? Which begins by accepting Jesus, who died for your sins, was buried on the third day, rose from the dead. Have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and repented from your sins? Have you confessed with your mouth Jesus as Lord? If not... Tonight is your night. Or perhaps you need to begin fulfilling God's call in your life by following Jesus and believers' baptism and joining the church. We'd love to have you as part of our church. Therefore, becoming a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer for Christ. Would you bow and pray with me now? Father, we're so grateful for your word, which is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, it reveals the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And Lord, tonight as we open our hearts and to you, Lord, we pray, Father God, for the Holy Spirit to guide and direct us. For those who may be online or here in the auditorium with us tonight that have never repented, never accepted you as Lord in Christ, Lord, 
tonight is their night. May they respond in faith to you, knowing how much you love them. Perhaps they need to follow in obedience in water baptism or joining your church and being a part of life groups and being a part of accountability and being a part of loving and growing in Christ. Lord, help us to respond to you in a loving way, in an appropriate way tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.